For me, it was just about hearing what I needed to hear from her and trusting that she meant the words that she was saying to me, which was everything that I wanted to hear. Like, hey, you're like my guy, like I don't need any other men. Also didn't mean that all of a sudden I had to split half my time, half the love, half the energy with somebody else. It's not the case, it's still not the case. So once those issues were addressed, it became a much more comfortable conversation to be like, okay, like how do we start getting into this in a way that's really safe for both of us? Welcome back to Open Late Loves. I am Jessica Spandiar, your host, and this is a Soulfire production. Today I have with me finally another polyamorous couple, <laughs> husband and wife here. I have Melanie and AJ. Um, Mel and I actually met on the internet through a mutual friend and we just started chatting. We both realized that we were um, you know, these women in, in marriages with men, but we were both bi, we we're both femmes, and we just instantly kind of connected on that. And I've been dying to have you two on the show. You're both, you know, online entrepreneurs and have what seems like a beautiful life and, and two children. And so I can't wait to dive in and ask. So welcome to the show, first of all. Yay. Thank you thank so much you. for having us. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to just start with how did you guys meet? How did we meet? We met nine years ago now, almost a little over nine years ago now um, in Chicago. So we both lived in Chicago before we moved to San Diego about four years ago. And I had just gotten a job at Equinox on Michigan Avenue. So it's a, it's a gym I think they have them everywhere. Um, but I had just gotten hired as a personal trainer and AJ had been working there already for, I don't know, um, four or five years. like, yeah, four or five years. And I had like the biggest crush on him and everyone at the gym knew that I had a crush on him and everyone also knew that he had a girlfriend at the time. So I knew that I really couldn't do anything and nothing was going to happen, but i just made it pretty clear that like, I like you and it is what it is. And I guess, yeah, they just didn't work out. And then <laughs> we ended up, he texted me like late one night and it was like, well, I'm single. And, um, about two weeks later, two or three weeks later, it was like a month, it was a, like month, a month later. Yeah. Um, we found out that we were pregnant. And so we had just been dating for a couple weeks and found out I was pregnant and yeah, from there, I mean, here we are nine years later, we've got two kids and we live in San Diego and, um, yeah, it worked out. We've been through a lot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, here we are. That's incredible. This, what's going to be really cool about this interview for me is although, you know, we've like kind of connected from a distance, we barely know each other. So I'm getting to find out just as, as you guys in are real listening <laughs> in real time, Wow, what a beautiful story. So the interesting thing, what I think about is you guys are, you know, that work crush where, you know, you become friends and maybe something romantic doesn't develop for a while, but it sounds like you knew each other and you had that sort of relationship build up. Um, yeah. And then it was like, you know, hot and fast, <laughs> like I in mean, a frying pan. <laughs> We connected right away. Yeah, um, like literally right away. I mean, yeah. even when he was still had a girlfriend, like we, nothing ever happened. We would just talk. I remember like we would go, um, cause Equinox was like this huge building on Michigan Avenue and we would go up and we would sit on the benches together. And like for hours we would just talk and talk. And I remember like when I, I had just gotten out of like a three and a half year relationship before age and 
I was like, I just want to be single. I want to live my life. I'm, I just turned 22. Like I have this job downtown and it's great. And then I met AJ and when you know, you know, and literally right away, we were within a week of dating, we were looking at rings and, you know, talking about eloping together. And then I found out I was pregnant. So we were like, well, we were going to get married anyway. So we just went to city hall and got married and had, um, had Harlan nine months later. And, um, yeah, it's, it just worked out. Like I truly believe when, you know, you know, and it's just been so easy since day one with him. Yeah. Well, your story reminds me a bit of Pasha and I, because we, we did the friend thing for a while. We were hooking up though in that time, kind of off and on, but I had just gotten out of a pretty serious relationship. So similar to you three and a half years. And it was pretty toxic. And I was like, I want nothing to do with something serious. I was living in Vegas and I was like, you know what? I need to like take a year for myself. Yeah. I, I, I was 27 or 20, 28 maybe. And I never even like had a one night stand. I was very kind of sexually conservative almost. And I was like, I'm going out. I have my first one night stand. I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't want anything to do with anything serious. And Pasha kind of came on really strong, but then we, we took space and um, a lot of my listeners already know this. When we did decide to be together, we moved in. It was like, you know what? We went from being kind of friends for three a three month period where it was like platonic. Uh -huh. And then it was like, wait, what are we doing? We are like so meant to be together. He moved in. We started talking about marriage immediately. And <sighs> yeah, so there's a lot of similarities there. The universe always knows. I just like life had other plans for us, I guess. And it was like, nope, mm -hmm. you guys are you guys are ready for this. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. And you had a baby a year later. It's like, I want to talk more about kids. Eventually we'll get there. Oh. But um, were you, are you guys the same age, AJ? Are you, were you also 22 when this was going no, down? No, uh, I was 26. Yeah, I'm four years You're older. You're 26. Then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's such a big thing to take on at your age, you know, like raising a child together and getting to know each other, really. Yeah. yeah. It was what? massive. <laughs> yeah what were the early years of your relationship like not good not good really <laughs> not, good. Okay. not good um we weren't established as people we didn't have like an established you know like we didn't have careers or jobs we like, were broke a we little had... more ahead than she was yeah but like not really I literally went from living at my parents home you know I just turned 22 I was living at my parents home you know, my mom was still paying my cell phone bill and I had never lived on my own. I had never paid a bill on my own. Like I had just got this new big girl job at Equinox. And I literally went from that to, I met this guy and I'm pregnant and I'm, you know, I'm going to get married, you know, next month on a random Friday. And then from there, I'm going to move all my stuff in like duffel bags and garbage bags to his little tiny junior studio apartment in downtown and move in with him, I guess. And like, we were living, like we were sleeping on a mattress. We were like, we, I was living out of duffel bags half the time until we got an actual apartment together. So I always say that we did what couples usually do within like a 10 year period. We crammed it all into less than a year because we were preparing for a baby and we were also getting to know each other. And but like I was learning how to live with him and live with someone who was like, not my parents. And it was really fucking hard. And I had, I also was suffering from really bad postpartum depression. 
after both babies. And so that just added another layer of intensity. And I was also trying to find myself as like a human because I, after like right before I had my first baby, I stopped working at Equinox and I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. I was like, okay, you know, I kind of fast forward. I had two kids by the time I was 26 and I was, you know, at home with them all day, every day. I was raising babies in my twenties when all my friends were going out and partying and like doing all this fun stuff. And I'm just like, what is my life? Who am I? What am I doing? Like, why, you know? And that mm-hmm. was just a really big turning point, I think, for me and our relationship, because I was really, really fucking unhappy with not like, I was so grateful that I had, you know, these babies and I loved being a mom, but I was like, what about me? Like I, you know, I, I quit school. I dropped out of college. I, you know, I thought I had this job as a personal trainer. I thought I was going to be there for years. And then I got pregnant and it was, it ended up being a really transformative time for, like I said, me and our relationship, because that's actually the first time that we tried to open up our relationship. And that was, um, what back in In 2018, 2018 was the first time that we tried to open up our relationship. Yeah. It was different though. Like we were doing it for the wrong reasons. We were not in a good place in any way you look at it. Like financially we were struggling relationship wise. We were struggling, you know, she had just kind of like woken up and be like, man, I've been stayed home mom for five years and that's not what I'm like meant to do. I love it, but it's not, you know, it's not just for me. And so there was this like identity crisis. Um, and that kind of, you know, cast like a, a difficult shadow over our relationship for some time while we were both trying to figure out where we were at in this. And she was trying to figure out, you know, what she wanted to do in life, which, you know, is, is understandable, but it was hard, like getting to know someone while also, you know, trying to figure out your career, trying to figure out kids, trying to figure out the relationship. Like we were just babies having babies. really, And we didn't have any tools on how to communicate. Like growing up, the way that my family dealt with fighting was you gave that person the silent treatment for, you know, one or two weeks, you ignore them, you don't speak to them, or you leave the house completely. You ignore them when they come in. And like, that was the way that I dealt with things. Cause I'm like, this is just how people do things, you know? And then a week or two will go by, we'll sweep it under the rug. It'll, you know, nothing ever happened. Then we get over it. And so I had so much learning and maturing to do when it came to communicating and I feel like we've both really learned that together, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I came from a healthier background yeah. of, of communicating. He taught like, me a lot. <laughs> yeah, like more, more towards the, hey, let's talk about everything. I don't want anything lingering. So there was a lot of like, you know, us having to meet each other where, where we were at and what worked for the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you guys are totally in this place of like being both very young, trying to figure out who you are as people while in survival mode and having all of these sort of awakenings to like, well, this isn't how I want to be living my life. And Mm -hmm. like, how can I have this, which is very beautiful, but also find myself, meet myself in a deeper place. And, you know, what I'm hearing is you were like, I want to be living authentically. And this isn't, this isn't it for me. You guys, this is exactly why I created the Openly Dictionary. You know, listening to this story, hearing that there was a lack of tools and skills around communicating. And these two are on a journey where they just, you know, Mel wakes up one day and she's like, I meant for more. And they're both 
craving more and hungry for more out of their relationship and their bond with each other. And so just think being in that space, and I'm sure a lot of you listening just don't even know the terms around polyamory to even have these conversations around open relationships, around monogamish, whatever it is. So we created a free downloadable dictionary. It is amazing. It's illustrated and it is yours. There is a link in the show notes. There's a link in my bio on Instagram. Um, Just pop your email in and we will send it to you. Okay. So neither of you had had experience in, in an open relationship before. No. no. Okay. What was the inkling that was like, Hey, let's try this. I was, it was my idea. Um, mm-hmm. and looking back, I truly think that, I mean, for me, I know that it came from, I wanted attention. And like I said, a lot of it wasn't for the right reasons. I was just that kind time. of like, yeah, at that time I was like, I want attention. I don't really know what I'm doing with myself. You know, my, my husband is, and at the time, like he was, he had a personal training business and he was working like, you know, from four in the morning, he would come home, you know, at lunch for an hour and then he'd go back, he'd be gone till eight 30, you know, at night. And I'm, I was just like, I'm bored. I want attention. And I started reading these articles on polyamory and how it could save marriages and get couples closer together. And just, and, you know, I started talk, kind of talking about it with AJ and, um, yeah, I mean, looking back, it's just like, I wish that I had never have done that because it truly wasn't for the right reasons. And I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, looking back though, I'm glad that like it all happened because it led us here and it taught us like so, so much. Um, but yeah, it was just for the wrong reasons and it didn't, it didn't end up working. Like we had no idea how to talk about it. We didn't know how to set boundaries. We didn't know how to do anything. So I mean, it, it broke our marriage. For, it, yeah, for the first time, it for did. Sure. Like yeah. we almost got a divorce and, mm-hmm. um, we worked through it and we're still kind of, I mean, reopening up our marriage like this time around, which when it was for mm-hmm. the right reasons and we were doing it, you know, there's no right way to do it, but we were just a lot more smart about the way that we were doing it now. Um, yeah, we like actually communicated. There, were, there was a certain intention involved. There was healthy conversation around it. Um, it wasn't shrouded in, you know, truthfully, like there was a lot of like secrecy in 2018 and a lot of like, it, no one, we didn't know what each other like were doing. And so we didn't talk about okay. anything. There was no communication whatsoever. So it just wasn't like a yeah. healthy way to do it. Okay. That's, that was going to be my question. Do you, would you go into a little bit like the specifics of how you attempted to open up back then? And was it just the conversations that sort of threw everything off track and not knowing how to communicate or were it specific experiences that happened that were like traumatic or detrimental to your trust and your foundation that really like threw everything off? I kind of feel like it's a mixture of both. I think the intention wasn't there at first because I don't think you should do something like this as a means to save your marriage. It's got to be healthy mm-hmm. as fuck. In fact, I think to be really yeah. be successful with this. Um, and the, the acts of like secrecy and like, you know, we wouldn't show each other our phones. We, no one knew who we were hanging out with or where we were going. It was very or, mysterious. It was very mysterious. And it was very shady. And um, yeah. There, yeah, there wasn't a lot of truth 
And so there was zero transparency. Mm. And so then there's a lot of storytelling. There's, you know, people thinking the worst and assuming the worst. And uh, it didn't like boost us at all. Like literally, it literally did the opposite. And like, I, yeah, I feel like now it's like, holy fuck, this is so expansive and it helps us to get closer and it helps us to grow. And we're so much happier. We're so much stronger. And back then it like did the complete opposite. And that's how you kind of know, like you have to fix like the foundation first, the foundation has to be there between like the two people and everything else is a bonus, right? Like this, like it's, it, it feels like it strengthens, it strengthens us now. Whereas back then it just like was tearing us further and further apart. Totally. Yeah. Wow. There's so much to be like said on what you're sharing and you know, for those of you listening, if you're a listener of the show and you've heard the episodes with Pasha and I, or Lauren and I, or the three of us, like, this is something that, um, I talk about. It's like, there's kind of a fine line, right. Between like the gatekeeping of like non-monogamy where people are like, you shouldn't be practicing non-monogamy if you're, and then it's like this list of things. Right. But then it's also like, please don't try this to like save your marriage. Um, don't do this if you have like, you know, an untrustworthy partnership. Don't Mm -hmm. do this if you, you know, are essentially going to keep everything from each other and Mm -hmm. create more kind of like distance and secrecy. Um, so it's like, it's like, yes, I think that people should do it at whatever stage they're in because Mm -hmm. there's no like perfect time. You can't like get ready to be ready to be ready to be ready to like open or else. Mm If you're like searching for the perfect place, you're never going to do it. It's almost like people say that about having kids. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, it will not save your marriage. And it's not something to do when you're set, like you're saying the foundation was super rocky already. And Mm -hmm. I get that question a lot. Actually, people will write in and they'll say like, oh, you know, this is something that I want, but like my part, because my partner and I are like never having sex. And I'm like, if you and your partner are never having sex, this is the last thing you should be doing. (laughs) Yeah. Like you need to be having like good, high quality sex with your own partner (laughs) before bringing someone else in. Mm -hmm. Unless you have a dynamic where your partner realizes like they're asexual. Right. And I've heard heard that before. I've, I've like, I know someone who is in a relationship like that. And like, that's totally fine, but it's all about everyone consenting. Everyone knows what's going on. There's yeah. Everyone's needs are being met. And Mm -hmm. like at the end of the day, it's really about everyone's needs being met. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Lovers of Openly Podcast. 
I have something to share. And this has never been shared before, so I'm really excited that you will all be the first to hear it. If you know me and you listen to the show, you know that Posh and I are really all about sleep because apparently sleep is the number one indicator to longevity. And I never had trouble sleeping my whole life. Like when I was younger, I could sleep anywhere. I could literally fall asleep somewhere that had blaring music and like take a cat nap or disco nap and wake up and be totally fine. I could sleep in, you know, any kind of condition. Yeah. And then I turned 35 and everything changed. Not only the sleeping, but I can't really drink as much. It's like a whole three-day hangover situation. Anyway, the last couple of years, I've tried a lot of different things and nothing has stuck. I've tried the melatonin. I've tried the valerian root. You know, I'm not a huge fan of cannabis in general. So the little bit of that I've tried hasn't really worked for me. And some things will work, but then like melatonin, I sort of became dependent on it. And then whenever I don't have it, I can't sleep at all. Um, And I also wake up groggy sometimes when I take things like that. Well, in comes a product called Zen from a company called Cured. And it really is the cure. Um, I have been taking this before bed for the last month and I am sleeping like I have never slept before. I want to say sleeping like a baby, but I don't really think that's a good analogy because babies don't really sleep. Anyway, if you know me, like I care so much about what I put in my body, this company is the best. They only have the best ingredients. I love their mission. I love how they source everything. They're really all about sustainability. And what it has in it is functional mushrooms. You know, I love my mushrooms, adaptogens, nootropics, and a really high quality cannabinoid. I'm going to shut up about it because I think when you try it, it's going to speak for itself. Um, but I love it so much that I'm going to be collaborating with this company to bring you all Zen into your lives. And they have a multitude of other products that you can check out. They have, um, daytime supplements. They have a solve that's great for aches and pains. I'm really hooked on Zen. And if you click the link in the show notes, it'll give you 20% off of your order. There's also going to be a link in my bio and all the places you can find me. And I promise you, you will thank me later. Run, don't walk, get yourself some cured nutrition. Yeah. So it's like the don't ask, don't tell policy does not fly here. That's I always tell people when they're like, yeah, we're just going to like have hall passes and never talk about it. And I'm like, that is Please don't not going to be healthy. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. not going to be healthy. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So anyway, back to you guys. This is such a wild story. Thank you so much for sharing authentically because, I mean, and you know, you're a content creator now, both of you really, but it's it's Mel's page. So I see the messaging that you're putting out there. And I think, <laughs> I think it's amazing. Um, and it's not always sunshine and roses. And so I think to talk about the tough times, really brave. And I just celebrate people who are willing to do that because not everybody can come on here and say like, we basically fell apart. We were on the verge of divorce. Um, so how did you kind of come back from that? And what, I guess, because what I want to know is you said we had no tools. We didn't know how to communicate. Mm-hmm. How did you get from, from A to B to where you're at now? Because what I see is like healthy, thriving, loving, and, you know, multiple, you know, other relationships happening, which seems really cool. And I have lots of questions about, so give us, I guess, the journey from 
on the verge of divorce to reopening in this healthy way. And I'm guessing there was a period of um, monogamy that came back mm -hmm. maybe to, yeah, yeah. Okay. Go into all that. For a really long time. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of this too, was just also me being really confused with my sexuality and um, AJ was also like the first guy that I was with that I was really open about and like, in how I felt about women. And he's always been really supportive of that. And I've also known from like a pretty early, early age that I like the concept of monogamy was always just really weird to me. And I just kind of went along with it because like, it was weird if I didn't, like I would be slutty or just I just weird if I, if like monogamy wasn't what I chose and, or if I talked about any different way of doing things. So I think a lot of this was like me just like experimenting and trying to explore and just being like, what am I like, let's try this and not really doing it properly. Um, but after that all happened, you know, we, we closed up our marriage. We were monogamous. We went to therapy. Um, we and hard we had a lot of hard conversations, like a lot of hard, like six hour conversations. Um, and we ended up, we like, we got back to a place where like, we just knew that we loved each other and we really wanted to make it work and things were going to be different. And we actively worked at things being different. And like we really, really fucking like did the work to save our marriage and save our relationship. And it made us closer and stronger. And we, I don't even know, like after that, we, did we go like, did we get, no, I, the, the whole reason I was like, okay, like I want to do something for myself now. Like after that whole shit went down, we were getting to a better place. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I don't want to be a stay at home mom. Like I want to be with my kids and I want to contribute and I want to make money. I like, why am I waiting? Like I can just start my own business. And that's when I actually got into I hired a mentor and I got into a program and I started my own fitness and health coaching business online. And, um, I, that business did really well and, um, really quickly. And I was able to move us out to Cal not California just yet, but we moved to Vegas first. And I think that was like a really healthy step for our family because it got us out of Chicago and Chicago was just kind of like, I felt like that's like where we started and like, yeah, we have a lot of love for it, but a lot of shit went down there and it wasn't our right environment. And like, we just needed a new fresh space and I wanted to get us as close to California as we could, but I couldn't afford California yet. <laughs> so we went to Vegas and we lived there for like six weeks. And then I went to San Diego for work and, um, I ended up getting, another offer, like with another company online, like working for, from home as well. So I was like, I can have my business and I can do this and I could get us to California. Like we're moving to San Diego. Like I can finally afford it. So we got to San Diego and, um, I don't know. I just feel like since moving to California, it is like expedited our growth because everyone here, all of the friends and like people that we surrounded ourselves, ourselves with are also just like questioning, why do we do things the way that we do things? Like, let's communicate more. Let's talk about deep feelings. Let's do ayahuasca. Let's do some, you know, like it, they're just so much more like, it's not just drinking and going to the bars every weekend. Like people do in Chicago, like they live for the weekend and California, like, especially we live in Encinitas in San Diego. And like, 
everyone here is just so open and open-minded and like we question why we do things the way that we do. And like, that's always been just like, for me, I'm fascinated by the way that humans, like, why do we do things the way that we do? Like, why don't we question things more? And, um, I think I was also just becoming more comfortable with my sexuality. And it might've been because I was like away from my family and friends that I finally felt like Mm. I could show like, this is the real me and this is who I want to be. And like my friends here don't know, like the Melanie from Chicago, this one who was like guarded and never talked about what she actually wanted to talk about. Now here I can finally be like the real version of myself. And so I really think it was just like California brought it out of me. And like, I just became more comfortable and confident in myself. And I know that, like, I knew that AJ and I were really, really fucking good. Yeah, we were like thriving. We were thriving. Like we were really good. We were solid. And I was like, okay, well, these feelings are still not going away from me. I know that I'm so deeply in love with my husband. I want to be with him forever. He's my soulmate, but I am also like still having these feelings about women. And I really do. Like, I know that I'm bisexual and, you know, I'm really questioning monogamy and I want to like start exploring that. And I kind of just, it was like little conversations here and there between him and I. And we finally just were like, okay, like we're in a really good place and let's just see, you know, what, how, like how we do this. And we actually started by like getting on an app and looking for a partner together. So like, that's how mm-hmm. it started. Um, and we did that for, you want to say, you something? know, I just think it's really important, you know, like to know also that like I'm wired from monogamy. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just as simple as like, we had a conversation that we're like, okay, let's try this. It was, more, it was more like, uh, that's the summary, but it was more like, I think, you know, she had brought this up and my questions were really just about her intention and where I fit into this and what it meant for me and what it meant for us and what that was going to look like moving forward. So I don't know, you know, people who are listening to this, if like maybe both people, people are wired for, you know, an open relationship or one person like myself, you know, half the relationship is wired from monogamy, but still wants to be open to this kind of thing. For me, it was just about hearing what I needed to hear from her and trusting that she meant you know, the words that she was saying to me, which was everything that I wanted to hear. Like, Hey, you know, you're, you're like my guy, like, I don't need any other men. Like, you know, that's, that's where I needed to hear. And it did also didn't mean that all of a sudden I had to split half my time, half the love, half the energy with somebody else. It's not the case. It's still not the case. Um, but so once, once those issues were addressed, it became a much more comfortable conversation to be like, okay, like, how do we start getting into this in a way that's really safe for both of us? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm, Thank you for sharing that, AJ. I was wondering, like through this journey, because it seems very much like you're the seeker, Melanie, like you're the seeker, you're wanting to explore. And this has been a big thing around your sexuality. So in, in the time of, you know, searching for a potential partner together, did you already know, AJ, that you really identified as monogamous, but that you were kind of Okay. So you're yeah. like along for the journey to support her. And if there's like a sexual experience that, you know, could be fun for you, great, but you're not interested in having outside relationships. Uh, now? Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, that's, that's changed. Like something oh, okay. that, yeah, that's kind of how it was at first. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of been like, man, it's like, evolved. yeah, it's really, it really has evolved. And my, my, you know, idea of the entire concept has evolved too. He's dated more women than I have. Yeah. <laughs> I've also dated, okay. 
I've also dated more now than I like I ever have in my life. So yeah. it's just been a really interesting experience for me. And again, very expansive for, for me personally, but also for our relationship. Um, but yeah, I've changed my mind and um, yeah, I've changed my mind about a lot of things. And so, yeah, now, um, well, I, I guess, you know, back to where we were, we were at before, we started seeing someone together for like a minute and it was a cool introduction to things. Um, but then pretty quickly, we both realized it wasn't like that kind of dynamic that we wanted for, yeah. you know, us long term or moving forward. Um, and so, yeah, like eventually we, we kind of broke off and started doing our own separate things. And so I would see, uh, I would go, you know, and date other women and Melanie would do the same. Amazing. Okay, cool. And so now this has been kind of, you've reopened and it's been how many years in, in this like chapter, I guess? Since, like uh, a year and a half. yeah, it's been like a year and a half. So it's still new. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. So I, there's so many questions. Okay. Um, you said you've dated more now than you ever had before, which I actually like, that's so fun to hear because I was the same way. Like I, Posh and I moved in together, I think I was 28. And previous to that, I was like serial monogamous. So I had like my high school boyfriend, my college mm -hmm. boyfriend and my post-college boyfriend. And that was it. Um, same. And so, yeah, AJ, before you said a concern was, you know, how am I going to feel if I'm splitting my time, if I'm splitting, you know, love with somebody? And I know like time, we can't renew that. That's like a finite resource. Um, but do you still like, what are your, I guess, what's your perspective now on how much love you two have? Cause you're both actively dating. Do you feel like sometimes you have to be really intentional with your relationship with each other? Um, and how does that play out now? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's made us a lot more like grateful for the time that we do get to spend together, which is still like a lot um, because we are intentional about it. We're not like lazy, you know, all the time where we're like staying in. I mean, we like to stay in anyways, but like, yeah. you know, like when we have a date night, we're like really intentional about it and we'll plan something fun. And, and we'll we go have and like that. we have a like a date night every like tonight on Tuesday night. It's our date night. We have the sitter at the same time every Tuesday, like it has forced, not forced us, but like, it does make you be more intentional because you, you're like, it matters. Yeah, it matters. And like, you're yeah. trying like harder, you know, it almost feels like we're dating yeah. again. Yeah. Like that's, it, that's been like a big thing that we haven't said in a while, but we both you know, recognize a lot in the beginning. It brings this newness feeling back into our relationship, even though nothing really has changed, you know? Yeah between we, us we see each other all day every day <laughs> we like we work together we parent together we live together and it There's still brings like this newness excitement like it feels like i'm like flirting with my boyfriend again you know yeah there's a different energy yeah for sure we're not so mm -hmm. relaxed about the relationship anymore um yeah like i don't know we try just as much as we did yeah before yeah yeah that's the beautiful thing and i i tell, tell people that a lot like when i'm with someone new and I come home from Pasha to Pasha, it's like he's new to me and I'm new to him because I think what happens too is like we're expressing different sides of ourselves with new partners mm -hmm. because, you know, you have the relationship dynamic you have. And so different, you know, parts of you come out to play. Like I imagine when you're with AJ, that's how it happens for me when I'm with Pasha. It's like, I'm the version that I am with him that we have a relationship in. Mm -hmm. We have the things we like together. We have the things that we talk about, the things we like exploring. And then if I go out on a date with somebody else who's completely different, 
there's a different side of me that comes out to be like in communication with them or flirting mm-hmm. with them or um, this different side of Jessica like gets awakened. Mm-hmm. And then I come home and it's like, I just was accessing and playing with like all of that part of myself. I'm using more of who I am. And then it's like that part's been awakened and I can bring that home and share it with him, mm-hmm. which I think is the coolest thing. And what a lot of people miss about polyamory and open relationships, because I mean, as I know that you guys get this a lot, especially being like a content creator now, and I want to chat about this, but people really do think it's like all about the sex. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's about so much more than that. Like, it's about this person that I get to be when I'm with someone new. Mm -hmm. And then I get to share that person with my husband. Yeah. 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 Like it opens up this whole other realm of like possibilities, I think for like your relationship then, because you're able to go and, and like, I just don't think that one single person can meet and fulfill all of your needs. Right. Like, why do we have, can't like, can you only have one friend? Like that one friend is not going to fulfill all of your needs. It's also a lot of pressure. It's on, a lot of pressure on that person, that person. to yeah. to like be everything that you need all the time, you know. So I think that it it is really I find it really sexy when I see AJ go off and do his own thing, whether it's on a date with another woman or having a boys' night or you know doing breath work, like going to a breath work session because like that's what he loves, like that is like something for him that's his and his element. And like that to me is super sexy to see someone in their element doing what they love and like what makes them happy. Right. And like, why would I ever want to take that away from him? So like, that's a huge turn on for me. And, um, I feel like it helps us like to get to know each other better. Like, yes, like we get to play with that other side of ourselves and then we get to come home to our partner and like talk about that with them and like experience that with them. And like it just, it does bring that like newness and excitement back. And yeah, I just, it really bothers me because I get it so much on social media where people like they think of Polly and it's like sex parties every night and orgies and swinging and like, you know, swapping with neighbors. And that is just like, not what it is at all. I'm like, we're actually quite, yeah, at least not for us. Like if that's your thing, if that's your jam, like go for it. But I feel like poly people are like lumped in to this crowd and it's so much has changed and it, there's no rules. There's no like one way to do poly. It can look so different, but like, really, I want people to understand like poly means multiple loves. And for us in our dynamic, it's like, I have a love with AJ. I have a love with Jackie And I have a love with myself and like, that is all separate, right? These are all separate relationships that I have, but in order to make it all work, like we all have to have love and respect for each other, right? Like, so if I brought in someone or AJ brought in someone, because we have like, I guess they call it like kitchen table poly, you know? So like AJ and Jackie are very, very close. Like they're really good friends. We hang out. She stays over most nights, like they get along really well. And it's, we hang out separate. They hang out outside, like without me around, like yeah. they go on, like they call them dad's nights together. <laughs> and it's fucking incredible. Like, it's great. And, I love this. Right. But like that, like this wouldn't work. Uh, like if, if Jackie and AJ yeah. didn't get along, like that wouldn't work for us. You know, like I, there has to be love and respect from everyone 
involved and communication from everyone involved. And like, that's truly like what polyamory is. It's just multiple loves and it doesn't always have to be romantic. It's just like, you need that love and respect in order for this to, to work. I mean, it, at least for us. Right. And, um, it's just like, it's, yes, people don't think, think of it like that. I think the other thing, cause Jessica, I think you were asking about like time spent. Right. And like mm-hmm. for us, because the way we started and because we were both spending a lot of time together and then, you know, we moved. So we were also away from our, you know, our entire support network. We had no friends here. So we had to start over and then COVID happened. So we were spending like a ton of time together and like both of us kind of lost our independence as far as like, you know, we didn't have hobbies. We weren't hanging out with other people. And so for us, it really uncovered like this kind of like toxic dependency that we had on each other that was, that was loving, but like not really healthy for either of us. So, you know, I'm okay not being able to spend like literally every single second with her because it allows me to go and it almost forces me to go out and do my own thing or hang out with myself or have a hobby or hang out with guy friends or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I think a lot of people could, could say like, Oh, I don't get to hang out with my spouse all the time. Well, I mean, we hang out a lot and it doesn't need to be like every single second or every single night. And so I think it's a much healthier way to be spending both of our time. She can go do her own thing. She gets alone time now. She's hanging out with girlfriends. Like, yeah, yeah. it's like, it's really gotten me like, cause I wouldn't go out at all before. And then like, I started dating and I, then like dating women, I was like, huh, I really like, I need some more girlfriends in my life. Like not ones that I'm having sex with. Like I just need some like girlfriends in my life. Like I need female energy around me. And like, so this has also really helped me to like make, not make more friends, but, um, really be more intentional with my friendships and spend more time with my girlfriends here and really like learn like by firsthand experience, like I need these female friendships. They're so important to me. And they also help me grow and expand and, and they give me a different perspective, you know, because I'm dating a man, I'm dating a woman, but it's so helpful to have like that female perspective from someone that I'm not involved with other than like, oh, yeah. she just loves me and she's a friend and she's looking out, she's unbiased. Like it's really just like made me appreciate, you know, my people around me because they get it and they're here for me. They're here for me. They're so supportive And I just feel so much more myself and like independent. And I feel like that's how AJ feels too. And I just think like absence makes the heart grow fonder, you know, and it's, it's really, it's worked for us in in this case, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So much of what you guys are saying, I'm just nodding my head. I look (laughs) like I'm like over here praying or something. Like, yes, yes, yes. But it's so true. Like, I think that to touch on the the codependency thing, mm-hmm. I think so many people function in very codependent relationships and aren't even realizing it. Um, and it's so healthy to spend time apart, to understand yourself as an individual, to have that sovereignty, right? Of like, I'm my own person first. Like Mel, you said it, I have a relationship with me that like I get to tend to and that I get to take care of. Um, and that makes me healthy and like emotionally kind of strong and sound so that I can give the best of myself to these mm-hmm. other people that I'm in relationship with, right? We're not always going to be our best, but what's beautiful is when you can come to very intentional time with your partner and be trying for each other and mm-hmm. like bringing your best self to that container so that that time together is quality time. Because that's, people say that to me on the internet all the time too. Oh, like, oh yeah, you're going to leave your your husband at home to like go out and do whatever. And it's like, 
I know many people that sit home with their spouse seven days a week. And guess what? It's not quality time. Yeah. It's taking each other for granted. It's sitting in front of the TV. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not, you know, this, there's no shame in that. Like we go in chapters, we go in chapters yeah. where we watch Netflix and chill and like do nothing. But it's also so healthy to realize like what you need as a person and to seek it out from other people to kind of touch back on like getting all your needs met from one person is I think one of the the, sort of the biggest lies that we're told is that like one person's going to complete you. That's like what society sort of like sells us. And it's really unhealthy. It's really great for capitalism to create like (laughs) nuclear families with like two people that need like all of their own stuff. But it's so unhealthy for the individuals and the relationship, because like you said, it's so much pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know everything you're saying, I just, I'm in such agreement with, because for me, like being polyamorous and like realizing that this is like a way of being for myself, not even like something that I'm practicing. Sometimes I, I am in practice of it, especially having Lauren in my life for several years now, but it's also just like how I am. And it's lent to more deep, fulfilling, intimate relationships that are not romantic at all, Mm -hmm. but with all of my friends. Like I'm like deeply in love with like multiple friends of mine that I'm like, literally like, like I love you. And like, I'm in love with you deeply. Don't want to have sex with you, but like, or, or like, and the cool thing is I've identified people in my life actually, where I'm like, I could actually have sex with that person. But there's no weirdness around mm-hmm. it now because I think practicing this life for so long, it's like you really take the taboo out of sex the more mm-hmm. you practice non-monogamy mm-hmm. that you're very comfortable realizing like I'm a sexual being, this is a sexual being. It's not something we're going to choose because like maybe they're in a monogamous relationship, but I'm not constantly putting out this energy of like fear, like, oh, something might happen or, yeah. you know... Um, Whereas I had a lot of that in previous monogamous relationships that were so restrictive. As much as I don't want to, (laughs) this feels like a good enough place to take a pause. And I will be bringing you part two of this interview next week. So stay tuned for more of Mel and AJ. These two have really blown my mind with their authenticity and sharing their journey because it hasn't always been an easy road. In fact, it's been quite rocky for them. And the fact that they are sharing this so that other people can learn and see what's possible when you're committed to your partner and you're committed to your growth, mm, that just really gives me feels in all the right places. Um, Next week, we're going to be diving into the topic of what it's like to raise children in a polyamorous household, which is a topic I know a lot of you are so curious about. So please, please, please don't hesitate to like and share this podcast episode with people that you think would benefit from hearing it that would enjoy it and as always it means so much to me if you can take a moment to rate the show on apple or spotify or youtube wherever you're listening or watching um it means so much to me and it really does help others find the show so have a beautiful rest of your day wherever you are much love to you all and see you next week